here we are. Welcome to another episode of Formula One Therapy. I'm Nicholas McKiley, on my own today, here to talk to you about something that I is very close to my heart, and uh, it's another verbal diarrhea podcast, uh, as I'm going to come to describe them. It's about all the stuff I need to let out of my head and let out into the world in the hopes that it may change the trajectory of Formula One. Not that I don't love Formula One. I've loved Formula One for many years. There was a few years, I think, between 2014 and I'd say before 2021 where it kind of got stale. It was kind of hard to watch at times. I tuned in for the title fights of between Vettel and Hamilton. But uh, there was a lot of improvement that needed to be done. And not that I think they've nailed it in the past couple of years, but I, I've been watching, again, pretty religiously, just because I love racing. I enjoy racing. It's my thing. But today, yeah, for as uh, as I tried to say before, and before the verbal diarrhea started, was this is Formula One Therapy, Nicholas McKiley, on my own today. And as usual, this podcast is for me, not you. This is for me to sort out everything I need. I feel need to be needs to be changed in Formula One. Not it's not a lot, but it's a significant amount, and it's a significant amount of changes that need to be done in order to get it back to its former glory. Not that I don't enjoy it, like I said, but there's just times where I'm watching a race on Sunday and I'm like, ugh, it's so predictable. It's been done in a way, I think, to benefit certain people. And one of those people we're going to talk about today, Gene Haas and his lackey Gunther Steiner. Uh, I I wanted to talk about this with Sean, but I feel like I wouldn't do justice because not that he'd interrupt me, but that he would bring about points that I couldn't bring about. Like he would try and not be the devil's advocate. And I wouldn't get to the bottom of everything I despise about this team. Everything that's wrong with this team. Today, like today, we're going to talk about basically all their problems and why they I think they exist and why they shouldn't maybe exist. And if they do exist going forward, they need to allow other teams to compete and come in. Andretti for one. And and more teams in general. Because if we're allowing two cars, one of ten teams, to be filled by this, what I think is a waste of space, uh, they, they, they need some, there needs to be some changes by the FIA or maybe changes by them. Because they're acting in a way that's very detrimental for Formula One, in my opinion. So let's start let's start with that topic first. It's the waste of F1 space. Why do I feel that they're a waste of F1 space? It's it's mainly because they're run by an owner who doesn't seem to want to spend any money on the team. He wants the name branding. He wants the the uh, share of the revenue from sponsorship. He wants all the goodies that come with being a Formula One constructor these days, which is, like I said, revenue share, sponsorship, uh, uh, cost cap. He doesn't have to spend that much while he makes a, a shit ton. Doesn't spend any money on it. He's just sitting there branding his name in a, in a sport that he doesn't have any plan to win it. And That'll be one of the questions I asked today. Like, what's what's their point? What's the point of Haas? And I'm gonna get into that later. But it just it just doesn't seem like there is. This doesn't seem like there's any need to for them to to get better, or any desire to get better, any any de, any goals. And uh, I don't know where to start. Like. I, like, what are they doing there being 10th? I think it's, what, three of the last four years or ninth? Like, what's, what's their highest position that they finished? I wonder. It's it's probably fifth. Or, it's probably fifth, maybe at some point. Maybe it's sixth. can look it up quickly, but I'll keep talking. It's just, they just don't seem to have any any desire to grow. And... For all the flack that people used to give Minardi back in the day, being like the lap team or or the team that nobody 
could ever succeed at or a team where drivers went to die, even though technically Fernando Alonso and Mark Webber both started there. And so did Giancarlo Fisichella. But it's just, they they were poor in trying to make it in Formula One at the time, trying to compete with, with a, in a Formula One with no cost cap, which I think is a good thing, by the way, because you have great development at the top. And yes, the teams in the middle often fall behind by seconds at a time. But those teams have goals to catch up to. And if a team invests its money wisely and has a project in mind of five, six years, they may be behind at the beginning by a lot. But if they have an infusion of money and some decent drivers, they often grow. And that's the story of Jordan. Jordan F1 team, everybody seems to have forgotten about how great they were. They, they were way behind at the beginning of their, of their inception. And then by 99, it took 10 years, more. They were a, a long shot for the title, but in the title conversation for a bit. I think they came third that year in the constructors. And that, that's how Formula One teams used to operate, but Haas isn't operating that way. They're, they're self-described a mid-level team, but they're not acting like a mid-level team. They're just acting like a team taking mid-level money and, and finishing at the back every year. And I, I just don't know what the goal of that is. Like, I just, I don't know where they want to go. And it all starts, it all starts with Gunther Steiner. Some would say it all starts with Gene Haas. Yeah, but he's made it clear that he doesn't really want to be too involved with this team. I think he's still more focused on losing in NASCAR and losing in Indy. Man, this guy just consistently loses. But he sort of left Haas to operate on its own. He just sort of comes in from time to time to, you know, shit on Mick Schumacher on Drive to Survive and talk shit and whisper to Gunther Steiner, yeah, you can't buy talent. You can't remember all that shit. And... It doesn't, like, he just, he just, I don't think he's there. I don't think he's really a big part of the project. And if he is, he's doing a terrible job. So we can start with him. But I think, like, why is Gunther Steiner still employed? What is Gunther Steiner doing there? He took a team that made a bid, I think it was in 2015 or 2014. I think, yeah, their first season was probably 2015 or 2016. So they did the bid in 2015 to, that they had to show they had the finances for it. They had to show that they, they had a project in mind. They had a goal going forward. And he takes a team with a decent engineering crew. Him, a decent engineer himself, even though I don't know the, really the whole story behind that, but it, it seems like he was pushed out of Red Bull. Red Bull didn't want him, and Red Bull's only gotten better since he left. And... So they have, they have a technical director with a good engineering mind, or so they thought. Decent engineering team. A team with money infused that the owner doesn't want to put too much into it. But still, like a project goal. Like, we're going to be X in how many, how many years? They thought they could be like a good, strong mid-level team. Maybe even fight for the top at some point. But it's never materialized. And they've gotten worse and worse as the years go on. They just keep going down the rung. Keep going down farther. And I'll talk to Sean about the engineering behind it. Maybe it's not all Gunther Steiner's fault, but clearly, if you can't put your team in the right direction after now almost 10 years, somebody's got to face the chopping block. And it never seems to be him. Because if you look at, say, Alpine, you look at Ferrari, you look at uh, Austin Martin in the last few years, even McLaren to a lesser extent, they've all fired their technical technical directors at some point. Uh, Otmar Spausner got fired twice. Poor guy in a couple of years. I think that wasn't, either of them weren't his fault, really. I think he went up to Lauren Stroll and said, you can't expect me to get to this, to the point you want to get Austin Martin to in 
a small number of years. And Lawrence Stroll said, well, if you don't have that, the right attitude that I want, you're fired. And some would say that's a good attitude for Stroll to have to say, okay, we're, we've got to be on the same page, otherwise we're not going to win anything going forward. And you see, once again, that sounds like a team that wants to win, Austin Martin. They may never succeed for the reasons that Otmar Spausner uh, listed to Lawrence Stroll and said, you can't expect me to reach these pinnacles right away. This takes time. So he had a level head in things. And may, and that's what probably Gunther Steiner's telling Gene Haas, but at the same time, with no results to show for it. Austin Martin's improved in year over year since their inception. Like, they improved by the end of 2021 when they got rid of Svausner. Svausner goes to Alpine. They, they improved that first year. Yeah, they started going backwards in 2023, and he faced the axe. And some of that is his fault. But that's a quick firing in two years for a team that wants to win. And I'll let Sean talk about how dysfunctional Alpine is than the new French Ferrari. But they want to win. So if they're not achieving their targets, he's gone. Gunther Steiner has missed his targets every year. They spent all of 2021 destroying the career of Mick Schumacher and Nikita Mazepin in, in the hopes that they would develop a 2022 car that would come up flying. And it, and it did. came up very good. But where, as to where they thought they were going to finish, they didn't know. They just wanted anything better than 2021. But that's not really a good goal. Like, did you set a target for fifth? Could you have done fifth? Was the target ninth and you overachieved? I don't know. It doesn't really, he never really sets targets. Because he's a loser. He just doesn't have that winning mentality. And you think he would have got some of it at Red Bull. But he just kind of seems to list away every Grand Prix where there's no urgency, there's no anger, there's no um, worry for his team. You get the occasional anger when when the car drivers crash, like uh, Magnussen and Grosjean, and you see him swear on Drive to Survive and say, oh, the the fucking this, the fucking that, like, shut up. Maybe get mad when you finish 12th five races in a row, or 14th. Maybe get mad when you're not you're not anywhere near the points every race. He doesn't seem to be. He keeps saying, oh, yeah, well, we're learning. We're developing. We're trying to get our, 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 our brain around the car every weekend. How many weekends has it been now? How many years? At some point, you got to figure this out. And the car just keeps getting harder and harder to drive, it seems. And that's on you. You got to figure this out. You got to sit down with the engineers and figure something out. What's it going to be? What's it going to take for you to realize your team is garbage? You're not going in the right direction. You're getting worse. And you're a major problem with that. And he sits there and he, he blamed Mick Schumacher in 2022. Oh, we didn't get enough points because of him. So now we're going to get Nico Hulkenberg and Kevin with Kevin Magnuson. That should work out, right? This is, the, this is their second major problem, which is, and it's, it also involves Steiner too. Steiner seems to love drivers that are hopeless. Steiner seems to love drivers that are at the end of their rope, that are never going to succeed, that in, in the 90s and early 2000s would have been fired after year two and never stepped foot near F1. He seems to love those guys. He seems to love worshiping these people who are never just just never going to do it. And ironically, the two drivers he's hated the most is one Mick Schumacher. Yeah, you could say Nikita Mazepin, but Nikita Mazepin's dad saved the, the team. So you can hate them all, all you want, but the, the only reason you're still a team, you're still a technical director, because no other t- team is going to hire you once you finally get fired. But the only reason you're, your team is because of Nikita Mazepin. Not that he was good. Not that I think he was any good. It's just you sh- you shouldn't have hated him as much as you did, even though he crashed a lot. He spun a lot. He wasn't a good driver. Shouldn't have been there. But you hated Mick too because there was a rookie who crashed. And the and I've listed all the reasons before and how ridiculous that is. But the other person he seemed to hate the most out of the 
I guess it's only been seven or eight drivers that have been on that team. It's been Gutierrez, Magnussen, Grosjean, Mazepin, Schumacher, Hulkenberg. So that's six. Right? Yeah. So the six drivers that have been there. He seemed to hated Roman Grosjean the most. And Roman Grosjean was the most successful out of all of them. Which always was odd to me. And the worse Roman Grosjean got, and the more crashes he got, the more hopeless he became as a driver. The more he wanted out and kept talking shit about the car. The more Steiner seemed to like him. Which was always odd to me. Because he wanted to fire Grosjean in 2018 for some notorious accidents. I think one, he spun going in a straight line in the safety car. But in the end, he, he, he says, and I read this article, he said, there's, there's nobody else. I'm not going to do his stupid accent, by the way, if anybody asks. There's nobody else who I think can drive the car like him. We have a tough car to drive, and I think like I can try, I can try somebody else. But I'd rather just go with somebody who I know understands the car and I know can operate it the best. And what a horrible thing to say. eh? It's kind of like, yeah, we're stuck with him because this car is so shit that only he seems to know how to get the best out of it. Which is not showing any confidence. And when Gene Haas read that, uh, Gene Haas should have read that article and said, okay, you're fired and Grosjean's fired. Because if you're turning my car into an undrivable piece of shit year over year, that only uh, ho- hopeless, unloved losers of F1 can sit in that paddock, then I need to start over. You could have started over then, before COVID, before uh, he needed a major influx of money. But he didn't. And, and like I said, he seems to love the drivers that just keep getting worse. And that's a great example of Roman Grosjean going from the heights of Lotus, where he vastly overachieved, made a name for himself, had quite a few crashes, but still quite a few podiums, quite a few chances at wins. I think he got a pole too somewhere in there. That's the best driver Haas has had if you look at results. But he seemed to always prefer... Kevin Magnuson, a guy who over his career just kept getting worse. First ever race finishes second in a McLaren that wasn't expected to do much in 2014. Pretty impressive. You think, wow, first race he did this, first race he overachieved. Has a great career ahead of him. Wrong. <laughs> By the end of the year, he was so hated on the McLaren team, he was fired even though I think he got the best result of that season for McLaren. Or maybe tied with Button. I'm not, I'm not too sure on the results of that year. But he kept getting worse. And then they fired him, and no one wanted him on, on the, in the paddock, even after he finished second in his first race, which should tell you something. They didn't have a good reputation. They didn't seem like a good driver. Takes a year off in 2015, and then comes back for Haas think. No. No, he didn't come back for Haas because it was Grosjean and Gutierrez first. He came back somewhere and then eventually came to Haas and it was lackluster wherever he went the second time. And he just, and he's taken a car that was decent and just consistently made it worse. And all he does is that is just he he look at it look at 2022 a year off comes back to a, a decent fifth a fifth that if you watch Drive to Survive of of 2022 it was the greatest victory it was an even greater victory than Charles Leclerc's first and Ferrari's one too the way Drive to Survive celebrates it like shocking. They're trying to cater to the American audience. I don't think most of the American audience gives a shit about Haas, for that matter. I think Americans aren't stupid. The Americans that watch Formula One know Haas isn't worth shit. 
it's maybe like the surrounding Americans who don't really pay attention to Formula One who want a reason allegedly to watch Formula One. I don't think Americans are stupid. They like what they like. They don't really care about Formula One. And they're definitely not going to cheer for a loser in Haas. But anyways, but for whatever reason that they worshipped Haas, and I liken it to a blowjob on camera of Drive to Survive sucking Kevin Magnuson's dick very vividly in the way that they described, like, oh, he's up to 50, he's up to 8th, oh, oh, what's he going to do? He's down to 8th again, oh, oh. And Kevin Magnuson just was just was rough with the camera crew if you if if we're still comparing this to a blowjob he was very rough with the camera crew he grabbed the grabbed the camera crew by the face held its chin and said Shh, keep going and it's like and the camera crew's like i want a breath i want a breath no just fucking keep going like it was rough it was a rough blowjob that that drive to survive gave kevin magnuson kevin magnuson then finished on their face with that fifth place and they were just celebrating the degradation of the splooge on their face. This is a family podcast, of course, so I won't I won't get too vivid, even though I already did. But it was a disgusting sequence to watch of Drive to Survive just going out of their way to just just blow Kevin Magnuson in a unceremoniously way. Like it was just it was just awful. Like I, I like I, I have I don't have kids, but like if I did, I wouldn't want them watching Drive to Survive. Because even though it's rated PG or G or whatever, it's just, that was a filthy blowjob I had to watch. Just a filthy, disgusting blowjob. Kevin Magnuson just sticking it in to Drive to Survive's mouth, and Drive to Survive's mouth just taking it. Just taking it. Oh, great, you're in sixth now. Oh, there's three DNFs in front of you. Oh, yeah. Oh, you were about to finish eighth, and now you finished fifth because cars exploded, not because you can race well. Oh, man. Yeah, that's obviously not what happened, but that's how I, I that's how I saw it. It was just brutal. I just worshipped him. And he consistently got worse throughout that season. Moving on. Consistently, he never finished eighth and higher than eighth the rest of the season. And then you now know the story of 2023, where everybody's like, oh, I'm so shocked he's having a bad season. Really? Really? Every other season he's had, he's had one good start, and then terrible, inconsistent rest of the seasons. This is not new. This is who he is. Why are you shocked? You're upset that you gave him a blowjob on camera. That's what it is. And you're like, oh, why is he doing so bad now? Because, well, you went home with the wrong guy, Drive to Survive. And now we're slut-shaming you for it. We're slut-shaming you for going home with Kevin Magnuson. And you're like, no, he's not that bad. He's not a loser. You actually don't know him like I do. We know him. We know he's a total loser. We know he's never going to mount anything. And Gunther Steiner knows this too. And that's why he loves him. Because Gunther Steiner is never going to amount to anything. Gunther Steiner is never going to be a great te- technical director. Gunther Steiner is never going to be in charge of a team that wins. Let alone doesn't get a podium. So he clings to Kevin Magnuson because he's like, if, if, if a driver comes in there and overshadows him, People will realize how useless he is. Because a driver that can race at Haas is going to quickly show how crappy this team has been run. And probably at least going to sneak out one podium. Probably. By the way, their best ever finish, I believe, was Grosjean in fourth. So Grosjean's not even good enough to get a podium at this team. But he's got the closest. Magnussen's nowhere near a podium. That fifth in, in Bahrain was an eighth. That turned into a fifth. So that's why Steiner like clings to him and he worshipped him when he got that pole, the pole lap where nobody else was able to set a time. That's not a pole. That's a fluke. That's a freak accident. Back when Formula One had some integrity in 2010, Nico Hulkenberg got a, a pole like that and he lost his seat at the end of the year because he did nothing else the rest of the year. I think he, fin- I think he started on pole and finished like in 14th. 
So when Formula One had like like was losing its integrity integrity very fast back then, but even still had like an ounce of it. They were they recognized that Nico Hulkenberg was no good, and I bring that up because the other guy that Gunther Steiner now worships is Nico Hulkenberg. How fitting that a team without a podium thinks the guy that's going to break that streak is a guy without a podium. How fucking stupid are you? Did nobody see Nico Hulkenberg's season coming but me? Based on Formula One commentary, nobody did. I wish I had this podcast last year just to say all this stuff. And my buddy Sean and my brother, you can ask them. They they know what I said. I said, the guy who barely finished seventh in a Renault, a top four team, so eight drivers. The, the, the minimum you should finish is seventh every race. The minimum. But that was his max at Renault. If you're the one of the top four best cars at Renault from 20, whatever what it is, 2016 to 2019, if your most common position is seventh and eighth, you're terrible. You're finishing last out of your group every day. Like, think about it that way. If the four best cars are the four fastest cars, and you can only muster a seventh or an eighth, you're useless. No sixth, like like barely any sixth places, barely any fourths, fifths, nowhere near a podium. At some point, they have to recognize this guy was a hopeless lost cause. He was a seventh place finisher. And they came out in an interview and said, well, why Nico in 200 races? This was this year. He said, why in 200 races have you never got a podium? He said, well, I never really had the car. Really? Really? Did Sergio Perez have the car? No. He had the same car as you where he finished second and third at Force India. You were teammates. You remember that? He had a few of those. Did he have the car then? No, he didn't. He still mustered a podium. Huh. Did Daniel Ricciardo not have the car when he came to that same team and finally got podiums for Renault when Renault wanted to build the team around him? A team that allegedly you were built around? He had the same car as you when he got podiums. Did Carlos Sainz not have the right car? He did. He had the same car as you, car as you, and, he's, and he got podiums. And Carlos Sainz is no hero of mine. He's Carlos Sainz is you, but slightly better, Nico. Enough that he can at least muster a podium, but Sainz's most common finish at Ferrari has been like fifth. With a good car. The fastest car in 2022. Like, he, he, I equate him with you, and still I think he's better than you. Still I can trust him. Still he has a few good races every now and then. Two wins in two seasons. With one of the fastest cars. Couple poles. Nothing to be proud of. Nothing to be proud of. Still, he's way better than you. He's miles ahead of you. You have every excuse in the book, don't you? Except that I'm a bad driver who shouldn't be an F1. Who for the first 10 years of his career was useless and couldn't get a podium. Then took three years off and people thought, oh wow, he's going to break every curse this year. He's so good. He's a super sub. Remember that? The Force India car that got poles and podiums and a win in 2020. Nico Hulkenberg steps into that car, qualifies third, and finishes, drumroll please, eighth. You had the car. It was Force India Mercedes. It was the fastest engine on the grid. What happened? You couldn't even get close to the podium after, after qualifying third? Was it the team's fault? Did the team screw something up for you? I don't know. What I do know is, is you've constantly finished 7th or 8th. And you can blame the car all you want. But you're not aggressive. You have no defensive skills. You're a decent qualifier. And that's it. But no points or no races are won in qualifying. A one lap pace is nothing to celebrate. So is everybody really surprised that that guy came into a worse car in Haas, and this is everything I said last year, 
everything when I heard that he was, I said this even before he replaced Mick Schumacher when it was just talk that he might do that. I said that would be the stupidest thing Haas ever does. And that they would deserve every problem that comes their way after that. God, I was prophetic. What's going to happen when that guy steps into a worse car that barely finishes in the points and is expected to finish where he normally finishes 7th or 8th? Is he going to struggle and miss? That's what I wondered. And sure enough, one points finish in the year, a 7th that came from, it was really a 10th. It was an awarded 7th. It wasn't a 10th. It was a 7th. Uh, sorry, it wasn't a 7th. It was a 10th. He was in ninth before the restart. Esteban Ocon was a was within DRS range. Going to pass him. Red flag. Then a crazy restarts hap- restart happens. It's null and void. But then after all the crashes, all the penalties, he somehow ends up seventh. And they had the gall. The F1 media. The F1 media. I think it was either it was F1.com or it was Sky Sports or one of them. They said, well, it's clear. He was the right choice over Mick Schumacher. I said that. I said, that's going to bite them in the ass. It's going to bite them in the ass that they're going to say something so stupid, so too, way too soon, third race in. I thought for sure he would get another points finish. I really did. I actually thought he would do better than Mick Schumacher in terms of points. Not in terms of actual development, the car was going to obviously go backwards under him because it always does every in every team he's in. But I thought he's going to come into a decent car. He's going to look slightly better than Mick and he's going to be worshipped for it. To not only not get a points finish in the race again, that once again was awarded to him, it should have been just one tenth and one sixth in Austria at a sprint race, which shouldn't count, wouldn't have counted five years ago. Let's put it that way. Like five years ago, he would have gotten one point on the season. Oh boy, the more I talk about this, the more pissed off I get. But not only does he not get another points finish again, it was a tenth that turned into a seventh. People are crying, or not crying, but they're surprised that Kevin Magnussen had such a bad season. Once again, not a surprise to me. But they're surprised that he had such a bad season. Technically, Magnussen had two, three times the points finishes that Hulkenberg had. Technically. In the same position. Technically, it should have been three tenth places for Magnussen and one tenth place for Hulkenberg. Instead, he gets awarded a seventh. And finishes sixth in the sprint race. And now he ends up with, with what was it? Nine points? Four or five of which he didn't deserve. To me, it's 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 eight he doesn't deserve. Because a sprint race to me is... I'm going to talk about this in another episode. We need to get rid of these sprint races. It'll probably be the next episode, actually. But, okay, let's just take it at face value for what it is. Okay, it's a lucky sixth, or lucky seventh. His most common position only does it once. A fluke sixth in the in the sprint race. Decent qualifying throughout the year, no points. Even I didn't think he would be this bad. Even I thought he would score more points than Mick Schumacher. Haas as, an, as a team scored the same amount of points that Mick did, which got him fired. Is anyone going to lose their job for that? No. No. Ugh. What are they still doing on this grid? I have no idea. I don't think they need to leave Formula One. Because... Kicking them out and just putting another team in that could potentially be bad or rebuilding and rebuilding on this under this terrible system, which is limited. It has allows only people to come in if the entire grid votes on it. You need a certain amount of money, like they're saying Andretti now needs two hundred and fifty million to get in. And it's like what? Why shouldn't he be allowed to start with fifteen million and build from where he can? 
say, okay, say it costs these days in modern time, in modern times for a season, $50 million a car. I think it's, I think it's a little bit more, but we'll just say in the low end, 50 million. So he says, okay, I'm going to spend a hundred million total on my cars and everything for 2023 season. What's, what's wrong with that? This is what we used to do in Formula One. A team can come in and think, you know what? I have a good engine platform. I have a good chassis. I have the, I have an idea of what it's going to take to compete and, and develop this car. I'm going to come in. I'm going to A, try and qualify. And B, if I don't qualify, I'll fold. But C, if I do qualify, I'll stay in and develop from where I can. And if I can get fluke points and world championship points, which gives me money based on my position, I'll build from there. That's what Jordan did. That's what Forte did. That's what Terrell did. That's what Babram did. That's what they all used to do. And all of those and all of those teams slowly folded. BAR, another one, Stewart Racing, which got a freak 1-3 at the 99 European Grand Prix, kept them in Formula 1 for a few more years. I think one more year, actually. But then they became Jaguar. But you didn't need this this package of $250 million to buy in and then spend on your car. It's ridiculous. They're doing it to just keep the money amongst the it's amongst the grandfathered in teams. And I only bring this up is because Haas, which is the latest team to join, which should be more sympathetic for other teams wanting to join, which should have some self-awareness that it's not exactly a powerhouse. It's hanging on by a thread. It was bankrupt in 2020. They're sitting there saying, no, it'd be stupid for another F1 team to come in. Yeah, it would be stupid for you. It would be shit for you because you would lose a piece of the pie. You'd go even more bankrupt. You'd be even worse. Andretti would come in wanting to spend money, willing to spend money. He even put up the $250 million, which was a bluff by the FIA. They don't, I don't think they're going to let him in. They should. 1991, there was 13 teams. There's Sorry, 14 teams. There's 28 cars on the grid at some points. Not all of them qualified for every race. But they tried. Why shouldn't there be 14 teams on the grid? Why shouldn't there be 16 teams on the grid? In 2011, there was there was 12. Teams that flew by night, a lot of them, Caterham, Marussia, uh, HRT, Force India reformed three or four times. Sauber was there too. There was two different Lotus teams. What's wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with that. As recently as 10 years ago, we've had this. Like, why are we blocking an 11th team? And why is Haas a major blocker? Why does Haas have a stay? A team that just keeps getting worse should not be blocking other competitors. They're doing it because they want a bigger share of the pie. They want more of the sponsorship. And they don't want to spend any money. They just want to keep taking the profits for doing nothing. FIA should step in and say, shut the fuck up. If there's legitimate concerns from Mercedes, Ferrari, and Red Bull, even McLaren, even Austin Martin, even Alpine, even Williams, I'll listen to them. They can give their arguments as to why they don't need an 11th team, which I think is nonsense. There's no good argument. But the teams like yours, Haas, and Alfa Romeo especially, which is going to transition to Audi, which is changing the team, should not have a say in whether another team joins. Especially when that team is as dysfunctional and as poorly managed as Haas, is poorly, just unable to do anything in F1. I've ranted a lot about what I think is going on, like all their problems. I don't know the underlying effects. That's why I kind of wanted to have this discussion with Sean, and we will in the future, as to what, what's really going on there engineering-wise. But holy crap, a team this bad should have some self-awareness. <sighs> it's really, though, it just... It's a microcosm of everything that's wrong. They're a microcosm of everything that's wrong with F1 and the world in general, for that matter. This is why, like I said, I call this Formula One therapy because I have beef with a lot of things that go on in the world these days. But 
you have a few rich teams. Changing the rules to benefit them, benefit their monthly incomes, benefit their their positions in power in Formula One. Dictating whether other people should be allowed to join the club or at least be able to compete. We're supposed to build Western society off of competitive values, competition, capitalism. Uh, If you have a great idea, you can come join and try and compete and see if your ideas are good enough to win. That's not happening right now. Ten teams are sticking together, forming a cartel and saying nobody else should be allowed to join us. That is very stupid. It is very antithetical to everything that we built in Western society. If it's going to be so bad, if you're going to lose that much sponsorship, and by the way, an 11th team especially an American team, will bring more American viewers, more viewers in general, more sponsorship, more ticket sales, more um, revenue. Wouldn't you want to take that chance? Just because you now have to split it 11 ways, and you, but you get more viewers. You get a better product. There's going to be four American races going forward now, or three. Three American races going forward. Don't you want at least two American teams? If there were, if there's three Italian races or two Italian races, there's Imola and there's Monza. Could you imagine if F1 said to an Italian team there was no Ferrari and another Italian team tried to come in? They said, nope. Sorry, you're going to ruin our revenue. Like, they'll be so stupid. So silly. There's two German teams. They're not asking for any German Grand Prix. They probably should. But you have, you're you're catering to the American market too, which is another problem. Trying to cater to this American market that does not really care. It's never going to care as much as the European market. And then on top of that, not allowing a, a, a team, an American team, that seems to have aspirations to join and is being blocked by another American team, which is nothing but dysfunctional and sitting at the back of the grid every race. Does that not not sound very, very stupid? What is the end game here? What is is the goal? What is FIA trying to achieve? The FIA should at some point just step in and say, no, this is happening. Deal with it. Instead, they're asking for input from the other teams. Should we have an 11th team? I don't know. Let's just do this song and dance. If you only want 10 teams, kick out Haas. Kick them out. They've done nothing but get worse. They spend no money. They're not exactly loved in America. They're not bringing in American drivers. They have no American sponsorship. Not bringing in American viewers. What's the point? I say, sure, keep only 10 teams. Haas goes, Andretti's in. Haas even admit, they said, if we had to put up that money, we would have never joined F1. Idiots. Like, why would you even say that? Holy shit. The team is just filled with idiots. Say less sometimes. Because I hear that and go, okay, then you don't belong in F1. F1's ruining the European market for the American market. It's pretty clear. They're they're turning into this elitist group that they always were, but at least they pretended like they weren't. F1 was always going to benefit Ferrari, McLaren, Mercedes, Williams. It was always going to benefit those big names. And then Red Bull eventually foisted its way in through some of the rule changes in 2009. They at least figured it out. They had to grow big or go home. Because they were very similar to Haas for many years. They were Red Bull Sauber, and they were just sort of languishing at the back, not really achieving anything, not bringing in any great drivers. They did start Kimi Raikkonen's career, but nobody else. 
But eventually they got to the point when, when the rule changes came into effect that they made a big jump and started to succeed. But it doesn't seem like Haas is anywhere near that. Red Bull Sauber started, I think, in either 98 or 97. And by 2009, 12 years, well, they had become their own team by 2006. They started figuring out how to do it on their own in nine years. Haas is on its ninth or tenth year now. On their own the entire time, still not figuring out shit. But then after 2006, they brought in David Coulthard, Mark Webber. They started developing this team. Started taking it to new heights. And then by 2009, they benefited from a great rule change, from the big rule changes. And became a great team. Haas is, is not going to do that. And like, and like I was talking about before, there's like there's a lot. Like Formula One is an elitist group. It is a amalgamation of Nazis and fascists who formed the racing league after World War II. And it was always going to benefit them the most. Because they built the league. But at least they had the sense of letting other teams in whenever they can, they wanted to. At least you could try. They remember, there used to be Alfa Romeo on its own, a Lamborghini on its own, uh, Maserati on its own. Maserati's several-time constructor champion, if I'm not mistaken. Babram, uh, Hesketh, and all these teams over the years. You know, Benetton came and went. You could at least try and join the club, even if you never succeeded. And often you needed the backing of one of those teams or a major European elitist, a rich guy. That's what Formula One really is all about. But they're turning it now into this like grandfathered, tight-knit, elitist club. And instead of putting out a better product, they're putting out a worse product. Haas, the major offender of that. We should have some self-awareness as a American, you know, the land of the free, home of the brave. Not land of the elitists, home of the losers. This is a country with a winning mentality. And you're losing consistently. And Mario Andretti is a Formula One champion. Michael Andretti is a Formula One driver. You have done nothing, nothing Haas. And you're blocking them from coming in? At least let them try. I'm intrigued to see what they would do. I don't think they would succeed either. At least let them try. They seem to want to try. They're successful in IndyCar. They're successful in NASCAR. You're not. Maybe they'll be successful in Formula One. Maybe an American constructor, an American driver champion will happen because of them. Which, if your end game is to get more American viewerships in the American market, why are you blocking this? And why are you letting the worst team in the league have a say? I'm going to finish the podcast by just asking one question. What, what's the point of Haas? What's the goal? Where are they going? They're not here to raise any young drivers. They've made that clear. They're not here to create a great team. Great engine. No, they're just going to take Ferrari engines. Which, don't get me started on that. The chassis is undrivable, as several drivers have said, Magnussen included. Why he keeps giving, giving getting a chance. Their technical director seems to have no idea what he's doing. Swears on camera and gets street cred for it. And they consistently finish at the back of the grid. Back in the day, this is the story of basically Minardi, but at least Minardi had goals and dreams. Minardi was trying to be something back in the day. He never succeeded. Took old Ferrari engines. Had a terrible undrivable chassis. Was lucky to finish in the in the points, which was back then fifth or sixth, which is a lot harder. Minardi would be a great team, but by comparison to Haas, because Minardi could get into the top ten pretty consistently. 
just not top six, which was points back then. <sighs> but Minardi eventually had to fold several times. What What is Haas going to do? Are they ever going to succeed? Are they ever going to get there? Do they have a goal? I've already said this, but when they asked Diner, he seemed to say, yeah, you know, we're trying to figure it out every weekend. It's like, if you haven't figured it out by now, you never will. And maybe somebody else could figure it out. Gunther. Maybe somebody else in, in your position could organize the team and the engineering department in a way that could, that could succeed. Don't you want one year where you finish in the top five constructors? Or even fourth or third or, you know, maybe even fight for the title one year? That's never going to happen, but don't you, don't you have those aspirations? Because it doesn't seem like it. From the outside, it just seems like a bunch of dysfunctional idiots who swear on camera. Ruin the careers of drivers. Sit at the back of the grid. Cause havoc. All the major crashes, the worst, some of the worst major crashes of the past five years. And I'm not just talking about Mick Schumacher. I'm talking Romain Grosjean and Kevin Magnussen. Came from your team. Suspension failures, hydraulic failures, a car destroyed in half and blamed everybody else. You know, like all those things. They're all from your team. Where are you going? Where, like, what is the goal? Where, where, what is the point? Uh, I don't know. I have no idea. But I, I feel... I feel like the other nine F1 teams want you there simply because they know you're never going to be a threat. And isn't that alone embarrassing? You proved every European dissenter and doubter right that an American team can't come in and do shit in European racing. At some point... You have to stop this. You have to go in a different direction at the minimum. You can start by letting Andretti come in by not being a roadblock for them. But I think the best course of action would be for Gene Haas to either step aside and let somebody else take control or to finally fire his entire team and start new there. You had a perfect opportunity in 2020. You're bankrupt. It's clearly not working. You have no money for development. And you have two rookie drivers, one an F3 and F2 champion, that you can grow and develop with. And you fucked that up in two years. To watch Kevin Magnuson finish fifth once. Just take your entire, entire team direction on a loser who's never going to mount anything. I'm talking about you, Nico Hulkenberg, too. At this point, I want Magnussen and Hulkenberg and Gunther Steiner to stay at Haas forever now. Now I get it. Talking this out in an hour, I kind of get what people like about this team. It's a train wreck. It's watching... A train wreck. It's watching dysfunction. It's a reality TV show with people who are never going to amount to anything and you're going to be able to laugh at and feel good about yourselves for watching. Hulkenberg is never going to do anything. May finish in the points a few times. Get worship for it. Magnuson's going to amount to nothing. Maybe get a freak pull and a freak fifth. And Drive to Survive is going to get rougher and rougher with the blowjob. They may even let him fuck him. Like, Drive to Survive was like, I'm not that kind of girl. And then Magnuson stuck his cock in their mouth. And then they just went to town. 
We went to town and they were like, oh my God, look at this fifth place. Oh, wasn't even a, wasn't even a good blowjob that we watched. I've seen better on TV. But this dysfunction, this reality TV bullshit, this violent pornography, as I'm, as I'm the only one making that allegation, it's just going to keep getting worse. And they're going to have to keep getting worse until someone finally says, enough. You've hit bottom. How that hasn't been this year really worries me. How was this, how was 2023 not bottom for them? For someone to finally step in and say, you're fired, Gunther. I don't want two drivers who in 10 years amounted to nothing. One podium for Magnuson, one pole for Magnuson, one pole for Hulkenberg. No podiums for Hulkenberg. These are my drivers. No optimism. Nothing to look forward to in the future. You destroyed the career of the son of a seven-time seven world champion. For nothing. Not to get better, but to get way worse. How, how was this year not bottom? I made this joke to Sean. I said, I hope, I hope Magnuson, Hulkenberg, and Steiner are there for five more years. Because no matter how boring it is at the front, like say if someone's running away with it, which is what F1 wants to do as well. They just want to pick and choose drivers to win, in my opinion. They're going to slowly take down Verstappen because they don't like him anymore. That's another discussion. But they want to pick and choose at the top. And then if that's what's going to keep happening, if we're just going to keep watching the same few drivers win, at least at the back, I can watch a team. I can cheer for a team to get worse and worse. That's why I watched 2023 so religiously. That's why I'm starting to commentate because I'm remembering everything I remembered about Formula 1, all the good and the bad. I'm getting more confident in my abilities that I can discuss this. So in a lot of ways, I have thought Haas to thank for this podcast. Because I nailed this prediction so good, I thought I might as well get more predictions on, on, on the record. But I watched the entire 2023 season to watch them fail. And it was fun. It was fun to sit there and relax and calm down, take a nice deep breath and go, they're 14th and 15th again. And then feel no anxiety from the fact that they're coming nowhere near the points. And because of that, Mick Schumacher's stock has gone up in my mind and everybody else's mind, but it's not going to matter. They already destroyed him. Maybe there's hope. Hopefully there's still a shot. But they just keep getting worse. And I kind of want to see them hit bottom. I'm kind of watch every year to see how low they go. Because they're not getting better next year. Both their drivers are not good developers. They don't have a good engineering department. It's getting worse. They had a very fast engine and a very fast setup in 2022. And within a year, they're back to 10th. What are they going to do without good developers? Without good engineers? Bonotto basically designed the Ferrari and the Haas. Steiner stole from him. What are they going to do? How much worse does it get? And now... Alfa Romeo, they had a chance. They had a chance to finish ahead of Alfa Romeo, and they couldn't even get past them. And now Alfa Romeo is well funded again, going in the right direction under Sauber. They're going to improve. Williams is getting better. Alpine's not going to get any worse. Alphatari, another one, keeps getting better. It's going to piggyback off Red Bull. They're going to get it right eventually. You're going to fall so far back in 2024 that I don't, I don't know who's going to have your back at that point. But Gene Haas, if you're, if you're listening, might be time to get rid of your boy. Might be time to get rid of the guy who keeps fucking up. He says fuck on camera. Who cares? So do I. Can I run Haas? 
I wouldn't hire me. I described a vivid blowjob with Kevin Magnuson and the Drive to Survive crew. Can I, can I run Haas? Because I have about the same qualifications as him. If Nico Hulkenberg got no points in a decent car, how bad is it going to be in a, in a worse car? Magnuson ditto. Are they really going to improve? When it got bad in 2018, they didn't they didn't step up in 2019. And when it got worse in 2019, they didn't step up in 2020. They got three points between them. Which is what basically you should have had this year. You were you were lucky to get 12. You should have had seven. In races would have been four. Right back to square one already. Good luck, I guess. All right, that's the end of my rant. That's the end of my hatred of Haas. Sean's going to nitpick this one because I was just kind of all over the place. But I don't care. Need to be said. I was right about Haas. They're terrible. They're amounting to nothing. And they're going to get worse. And I enjoy watching it. Just like I enjoy watching shit reality TV. But when I want to watch good Formula One, and they're the only ones on, I'm going to turn it off. All right, thank you for listening. Like I said, this is for me, not for you. If you don't like it, shut up. Have a good night.